Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. This morning is from Genesis chapter uh, 11. We're going to begin in verse 27 um, and read through chapter 12, verse 9. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, and Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, and she had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Will you pray with me? Some of you know, many of you know, we we lived uh, in Scotland for a year, and my kids were around the age, between the ages of one and two. And uh, it was a fun year. Again, Jess might describe it differently. You can ask her, but... uh, we, we, uh, one of the things we did while we were there was we took a trip. We took a road trip, and um, that's an exaggeration. We rented a car, a large car by UK standards. It fit seven people. My parents were in town that weekend, and uh, we headed off into the, into the highlands of Scotland. And it was a small car, you know, but we fit seven people plus luggage somehow, and we, we put the, the car seats went in the very back, the, the back two seats, and, uh, you know, we, we got in. I got to tell you, um, I, I got to tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed driving a manual from the wrong side of the car on the wrong side of the road, right? It was a blast. A little, a little too much fun, honestly. Uh, I, don't, I wasn't aware of really anyone else's feelings in the car because I was having a really good time, uh, probably driving too fast and uh, just enjoying sort of where we were. Uh, in, in fact, probably so good a time, you know, we, we rented a car one other time and kind of drove in some other regions of the country, also beautiful hedges, all that kind of stuff, but we were in the highlands and the landscape was beautiful. I was in the zone, loving it, 
and, uh, but, but a little too much, a little too much fun because at one moment there were exclamations from the back and both of my one-year-old children had thrown up in the back of the car, like, oh. epically, right? Like, it was terrible. It smelled bad and they were buried in the back. It was all in the seats. And, like, we were at the beginning of the trip and I'm like, you guys are okay, let's go, you know? Like, uh, but I remember, like, pulling over and we're out, like, we're kind of, we're just, you know how you are. You're, like, head first in the car trying to get all the stuff out, trying to clean it out in a way that we can survive the rest of the trip. And we're, we're, we're there on the side of the road. There's, like, there, there's highland mountains. There's a bit of snow. There's clouds. There's, it's beautiful. The, the, the backdrop was beautiful, surrounded by beauty, but on the ground, right? In, in the moment, it was a screaming, sort of crying mess, it was, it was gross and a, a wreck. And, and I, think, I think of that moment, and when I think about the journey we've been on through Genesis, that we sort of started off with all this surrounding beauty, right? The good creation of God, all of this beauty and these foundational stories of grace surrounded by so much beauty, but on the ground and in the weeds, it's just mess after mess after mess. I think that's true, uh, it's probably truer than we want to admit about our own lives, but also true of the passage that we read this morning. I, I love the way it starts. It starts with a phrase that calls to mind other phrases. We've heard this phrase before in the reading. These are the generations of Terah. It's a marker, right? You, we're in a story. There were ancestors. There has been story before this moment. We, we, we step back into it here. These are the generations of Terah. And, and, and we're, we're brought into sort of remembering, uh, you, you guys know, you remember this sort of primeval history that we've lived through, the fall of Genesis 3, Cain and murdering Abel, and the flood and Babel, these epically large stories, and we've gone through the generations along the way. We've heard this marker um, generation after generation, and now here we hear it. These are the generations of Terah. It's a promised line and seed, right? We, we're in a storyline that started in Genesis chapter 3. Through all of this, right at that moment of fall and brokenness, uh, God said, I'm going to send someone through you, Eve, a descendant, a seed, an offspring who will, uh, yes, the serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. That first promise that someone would come who would unravel all of this mess and take us back, we hope, to this kind of beauty as it was intended. And so we've been in that story. We thought maybe it's Cain, right? Maybe. And then Cain murdered his brother and Cain's descendants sort of celebrated even further violence, right? We're bragging about it. We're like, well, okay, not Cain, right? Well, then, then we're told that God gave Adam and Eve another son to replace Abel, Seth, you know, not that anyone could be replaced, but a, a new son, a new hopeful promise, Seth, in whose line God would preserve this promised to raise one up who would bring us back all of that beauty that's been lost. But pretty quickly, you know, Seth's line, you know, we end up at the flood, right? Like even in the story of these generations, we end up at the flood. And then we get through the flood story and, and we, we catch a refrain that we've heard before. Uh, it tells us Noah died and then he died. And we'd heard that over and over again throughout the generations. And then he died and then he died. We're in the same story. God preserves Noah, 
right? And maybe through Noah, he establishes a new covenant, an everlasting covenant, and he, and he works through Noah. And Noah, Noah's descendants bring us, as we saw last week, to Babel. Right? God, the command to go and flourish and fill the earth, and now they're building, building a tower, settling down. It's an interesting move. This is the story we find ourselves in. In, in our reading this morning, Terah. It's not explicit here, but m- many scholars will suggest that sort of wrapped up in the names that we find here, Terah and his children and, and the wives, like that, that uh, there are hints toward words that are rooted in the worship of the moon, um, in the sort of idolatrous worship of the creation rather than creator, right? These are the generations of Terah. We're hoping for good things. We've seen it fall flat into a mess time and time again. Maybe now, right? But here we are coming out of Babel, and, and even, even their names are a reference to sort of the cultural practices around them, worshiping perhaps the moon god. And if that wasn't enough, so their hearts are sort of wandering in worship. If that wasn't enough, we're told that Abram, Terah's son, we're in the line. Maybe this is it. He is without child. Sarai, his wife, Baron, there's no hope of descendant or promised seed. Like the story seems to have run its course, right? Whatever we hoped for in terms of the promise of beauty, it's gone. The human project has failed yet again. On on the one hand, it feels like I feel like we hear it tragically. But on the other hand, it feels kind of routine, right? Fathers and sons and daughters, death and marriage, in-laws living and moving, babies and barrenness. We're kind of in this. These are all things that we know. It feels almost routine. It just feels deeply uh, human. Yet somehow in the midst of all this, we're told, right, like these are the generations of terror. We're hopeful, then we get to this moment and we're like, I don't know. It, it reminds me of, of one song for the open road. Any Tears for Fears fans in the house? Yeah, thanks, Nick. One of you, the two of us, right? Uh, you guys know the song, Everybody Wants to Rule the World? Every, everybody Wants to Rule the World, right? Welcome to your life. No? Anyone? Yeah. There's no turning back. Anyone? You guys are there, right? Or how about, uh, you know, acting on your best behavior? No? Okay. Let me try again. I can't stand this indecision. Married to a lack of vision. Everybody wants to. Look at you guys, man. You guys are so gracious. <laughs> Uh, this, it makes me think, uh, this, this, this song takes me to this moment in the story, right? That I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think your heart wants to rule the world, but guaranteed all of our hearts want to rule our own worlds, right? We want control over the world we live, the story we're in. Our hearts want to rule, maybe not the world, but they certainly want to rule our world. And while Tears for Fears, I think, probably have the Cold War in mind and all sorts of other uh, things, I think it maybe speaks a truer word to what it's like inside. And I think that experience, that feeling, that expression rings true coming out of the story of Babel even into this moment. We're told, right, we're told that they, they sort of set off, Abram's father sets off in this sort of tragic line that falls almost heavily on the ears that came to Haran and they settled there. They settled there. 
a space they knew, practices they could sort of participate in with whomever was around them, their hearts in a place where they could uh, rule at least their world. This is a world we know, and they settled here. I feel like that's the story we find ourselves caught up in when we hear uh, this reading this morning. These are the generations of Terah. And we know that. We know that world. We know that life. The ups and downs, the generations maybe you're in and a part of. You find yourself sort of going through those motions, living with whatever history you've got and doing the best you can. Your heart doing the best it can to kind of control the narrative and keep things under control and trying to rule at least your little bit of the world so that you can hold things together, right? Like we, this is a space we know. Hopeful maybe that things will be better, but let's be honest, it seems to have sort of, uh, it's just a bit of a mess. This is where we are, which makes what follows to me remarkably beautiful. These are the generations of Terah and this whole mess and all that we've read again and again. And in the middle of that, we read the, 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 the beautiful words that come to us almost out of nowhere in chapter 12, verse 1. Not almost, I mean out of nowhere. The Lord said, there's no preceding history here. There's no context for why Abram deserved this moment in his life. There's none of that. It's just these are the generations of Terah. This is the condition of their lives, the way in which their hearts are bent. And in the midst of all of that, to a family of moon worshipers settling in to where they are and what they know, God says to Abram, it's a remarkably gracious move to people sort of Stuck just trying to rule their own worlds, right? A remarkably gracious move that in the midst of that, people not even maybe considering him, the Lord speaks to Abram. I, I want to call your attention to two aspects of what he says. The first is the imbalance. There's a, there's a significant imbalance in, in this conversation. And then we'll consider the, the, the content, the nature of the blessing. So, so just the imbalance. So there's one instruction. When he finally speaks, of all the things he could have said, he says to Abram, go. Let's go. Like, come with me. Let's leave. Let's leave the, the spaces that you know, all the ways in which your heart has built significance and security, the things that you know. Come with me. Just let's go. Right? Just the, the one simple instruction to Abram, go. But it's followed by what one author calls a bunch of heaped up I wills. So the one word to Abram is go, but then what follows is I will show you. I will make your name great. I will make you a nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I, I will establish through you blessings for all the families of the earth, right? There's only one small instruction to Abram that even doesn't come with a lot of like clarity. Just go, come, trust, trust me, follow, walk with me, go. And then what follows is a cascading sort of mounding heap of promises from God. I will, I will. So not just the imbalances, right? God is carrying the weight of this relationship, but also the nature of this relationship is one of blessing. God is going to bless Abram Again, who's just like living his life in the generations of Terah, and he's going to bless others through him. Of all the things, of all the things God might have said to someone at this moment in this story, in the rolling on of generation after generation, we've seen failure after failure. It's remarkable, one, that God speaks to him at all. And then miraculous to consider what he says, I will bless you. I will bless you. 
I will give you things in your life that seem impossible and out of reach, and through you I will bless every family on the earth. Raises, I think, some questions for us, but as we've already suggested, in this word, what's miraculous and gracious about this moment is that we've been given nothing about Abraham to make us think, oh yeah, I'd have picked that guy. This is why he deserves to hear from God in this moment. His righteousness, as the New Testament will talk about, doesn't list any of his moral qualities. He hasn't sort of built up his account of like good behavior and like, look, look, my balance sheet is sort of, the scales are falling out in the right way. And so because, you know, this balance sheet's looking pretty good, maybe God will speak to me. None of that here. It's just God and his gratuitous grace speaking to Abram, the family of moon worshipers, settling into life as they know it speaking a word of life and blessing. In fact, Abram, God will bless him, change his name to Abraham. God, Abraham will very quickly return to his family roots. Right? He'll very quickly in the story, just in the next pages, he'll make mistakes. Much has been made of these. He will, you know, as you might say, the apple doesn't fall very far from the family tree. This will be true of Abram, and he will sort of live up to what he has known and still... In this moment, God speaks to Abram, says, I will carry the weight. My faithfulness will be what makes the difference in this relationship. I found the writings of a, uh, a scholar and theologian, Carl Barth, helpful around uh, thinking about this moment in the life of Abraham as it relates to you and me, Abraham, who has no righteousness of his own. What is celebrated in his life is just that he trusted God. His life would still be a meandering sort of up and down and left and right, but, but he trusted God. This is what Karl Barth says. The person with whom we have to do to contend within ourselves, so when we look in the mirror, the person we're contending with, or when we look at others, the person we're contending with in that moment, whether they're a rebel, a sluggard, or a hypocrite, is likewise the creature to whom their creator is faithful and not unfaithful. So, so hear that again. What, what Bart says, and he's holding up Abram as an example, right? That uh, despite his sort of meandering life, right? That the person, when you look in the mirror and when you look across the aisle to the person uh, across from you, that the person with whom you contend, whether they're a rebel, a sluggard, a hypocrite, the list could go on and on. They are, they are also likewise a creature to whom their creator is faithful not unfaithful. This is the story of Abraham, not because he deserves it, but because God in his grace speaks, which, which moves us, right? These are the generations of Terah. Somehow in the midst of all of that, God in his grace speaks to Abraham. Where does that leave us? Well, I think it takes us to the simplicity of verse four in our reading. It's, it's just so Abram went. Right, so Abram went. God said, again, he's just doing his thing. God says, let's go. Get thee out, I think is the King James, which you know sometimes has its merits. Get thee out. I don't I don't know. Maybe it was an I, maybe it was more kind. I, I don't know. Go. So Abram went. And he went. There was a lack of clarity, some sense of direction, but really not not knowing 
He went building altars, we're told, right? You know, he'd have a, a word of affirmation from God. He'd build an altar. But they're altars that are markers of some future promise. It's not like a lived reality in his life at the moment. There's no sort of chat GPT, right? Like, hey, uh, can you tell me what's the best route for me to get to the promised land? What should I take to make this journey most successful? I don't know if you guys have used it. I'm only now discovering it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an early adopter, so I'll, I'll just I'll answer all your questions later. But uh, which is not true. Right? There's no Google Maps. There's no sort of tell me what the traffic is like. What's the best route for me to get to the promised land? He just goes. Abram went fumbling, faltering along on this pilgrimage. Hebrews in the New Testament will say of Abraham that he went. He just, he obeyed. He just, he went not knowing where he was going. What a beautiful description of the Christian life at times. He went, he followed, not knowing where he was going. I don't know about you, but I feel like that phrase describes my life more often than I would care to admit. If you'll indulge me, right, he went into the unknown. In, into the unknown. If you're looking for another road trip song, I, I have 10-year-olds, I have but uh, girls, so. Right, he, he, he just went. Abram went. God says, Abram, go. Abram's like, where? Where will we go? God says, ah, it's okay. I'll show you. Just, just, just come with me. Right, God says, I'll give you a son, descendants. I will give you a family. I, I, and Abram says, how? How? God says, ah, I'll take care of that. Just follow me. Walk, walk with me. Let's go. That pattern will play out over and over again on the pages of Abram's life in significant ways. And my hunch is it's probably played out that way in your life at times as well. More a meandering through lands of hoped for promises than it is any kind of sort of direct like hockey stick kind of growth, you know, where you're just like, I'm getting better, better, better. More a sort of in and out, up and down kind of journey on this life of faith. And the only invitation to you and me as it was to Abram is just, just go, come with me leave whatever you're trusting for significance in life to, to sort of uh, the, the space you're comfortable where you want to settle because you have control, all those kinds of things. Come trust me instead. I love where it finishes. Just our reading this morning. And Abram journeyed on. In this moment of the story, there's no closure. Even the New Testament will tell us he really didn't get, in some sense, didn't get to experience or all that was promised here, but he journeyed on. If you'll indulge me one more time, I, I think of another song for the open road here, and it's by Kansas, right? I'm just going to, lived in Kansas long enough. I think it's time. Uh, you guys know the song, Carry On My Wayward Son? Yeah? Should I try it? I'm not going to do that. The vocal range here, Aaron's actually going to come play it for us. He'll perf perform it. Uh, yeah. It's right there. That's all right. Right, I, I, I think of that moment, carry on my wayward son. The vocal range is incredible and not to be attempted here. But there'll, there'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. I, I see Abram just sort of in his life doing his thing, living for the values and things that is what he knew in the world, his heart trying to control the world that he was in, just like the rest of us. Into the midst of all that space, God speaks. It says, 
Can you lay all that down and trust me? And that'll be a pattern in Abram's life over and over and over again. Can you lay it down? Even the good thing I'm going to give you, can you can you lay it down? And just walk with me. So Abram went. I, I do sometimes think carry on my wayward son is a much more accurate description of the life of faith than some other ways we think or, or, or perceive it to be. It was certainly Abram's story. Even in his ups and downs, right? The, do what I can. I'll trust you. I'll follow you. We can make a couple of observations sort of in summary. I think if we look back, Abram kind of reminds me of Adam. Others have pointed out that there's a sense in which he's kind of like an inverse, a slight sort of inverse to Adam. Adam's reaching and grasping for dependence, trying to establish himself. He's impatient. He's working towards kind of establishing his life and his goodness apart from his relationship to God. Here, Abram, gracious, sometimes impatient, but certainly dependent, allowing his walk with God to be what defines goodness for him most of the time kind of like a, a, a new Adam. We've seen hints of this before along the way. But I, I think more than looking back, Abram makes me want to look forward. One, because of the promise. He's like, God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, through you, the descendants that will bless the world. Today in the church calendar is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day we celebrate uh, when the, the church is born in Acts. And, and uh, we're, we're told that the message of the gospel went out in a variety of language to all who were present, hearing the message of the good news of Jesus in their language. We, we think of Jesus sending his disciples out into all nations and we we are in that moment swept up into this story this promise to Abram that all the families of the earth would be blessed through your descendant but I think looking forward we're drawn into the story a a little differently as well I I wonder if Abram isn't kind of a hint a shadow of Jesus one who himself would hear the call of God the Father leave all that is comfortable and familiar go out into the void not knowing where he went to create a new family and people of God. You're called up into that story as well. I, I was um, I saw recently uh, a short film uh, about a tattoo artist in Ohio. Uh, what was his name? Billy Joe White. His studio was called Red Rose Tattoo Studio. And the short film, you can find it online, is called Beneath the Ink. And his, his story s- struck me as I was reflecting on uh, Abram this morning. He, he's talking about sort of the recent conversations in our country around race and the tension and the, the pain that has been experienced uh, and racism as, as, as it's been expressed in, in our country and world and he talked about the feeling of helplessness, like helplessness, wanting to sort of do something, but not knowing what he could do. And so where he landed, his tattoo parlor, was they welcomed anyone for free that came in with hateful or racist tattoos, and they would cover over them uh, with new and beautiful uh, art. And so the, the short film follows a couple of people uh, for whom that is the story. For all kinds of reasons, their lives marked by uh, racism or, or painful, difficult moments. And now they carry these marks in, in their bodies. And, and he says, their slogan is, bring us, bring me your mistakes. That's what he says. Just bring me your mistakes. I don't care why you come. 
Maybe you're like, it's free. That's the only reason you're doing it. I don't, I don't care. It's the suggestion. Just bring me your mistakes. I, I, I wonder as I sit with his story, as he takes sort of the painful scars of just lives lived for all kinds of reasons, doing their best to control their world the way they know, carrying the marks of that move. I, I, I wonder how that moment might speak to you and me this morning. That whatever has marked your life or mine to this point, I hear in the story of Abraham a, an invitation, just bring me, just bring it to me. Let's go. Bring, I, I know you're sort of doing your thing. I know the family is settled here. I know because of culturally this is all that's going on. I get that. God says, let's go. Bring, bring it to me. Let's, let's go. I, I'm going to write something new, beautiful, and full of blessing for and through you. God says, in fact, to you, he says, I, I, I'll give you a son. I, I'll give you my, I'll give you my son. Trust him. Trust him. Follow him. I don't know where you are in that story. But the New Testament tells us that what is to be emulated in Abram is not some list of sort of like moral accolades. It's simply that he trusted God. And though that journey was all over the map at times, he just walked, followed, trusted. God had faith. And God, so I don't know where you are, but the invitation to you and me is the same. It's to trust God. It's to, in, a, in not some generic way that sort of adds him to our lives, right, that sort of fits him in compartmentally, but a kind of conviction that says God has worked in Jesus, and he is at work now in my life and in this world. And so I will surrender all the things I've leaned on for significance and value and meaning, all the things that have defined me, and I will trust and follow. I wonder, as we close with communion, maybe you're in the monotony of generations this morning. You feel that sort of ongoing monotony of the beginning of our reading. And then he died, and then he died, and then he died. It's just an ongoing sort of litany in your life. I'm just going through the motions. Maybe you're surrounded by moon worshipers, right? Maybe you're a moon worshiper yourself. I don't know what that looks like, right? But, but you're just sort of in the, you've settled in, in the place that you know. Your life marked by all kinds of things for which you've been living. Maybe they're not as offensive as racist tattoos, but you carry the marks in your life nonetheless. Statements of what matters in life. Your life centered around things of significance and purpose and direction. All kinds of things fill that space for us. Vocation, career, leisure, retirement, all kinds of reasons. We could say, well, this is sort of where I'm at. And, 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 and the invitation, maybe you are in hot pursuit of all of those things. In the midst of it this morning, you hear a, 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 a voice. John Wesley called it the heart sort of strangely warmed. Our hope in conviction is maybe you're here this morning and you hear a, a, a word from God to you that says, let's go. Get thee out. <laughs> come, come with me. Lay all of that down and trust me. What if the faith of Abraham was your faith this morning? That's the invitation to all of us in this story. Will you stand? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. 
To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.